Hello, I'm M3, and this is my opinion for Tuesday, July 10th, 2018. Back here today to recap Monday Night Raw from last night. Didn't do a podcast last week recapping SmackDown Live, just based off the fact that I've been kind of sick over the last week, as you could tell. Been uh, congested a little bit, a lot of coughing, bad headaches. So I wasn't able to do any wrestling or sports podcasts. But I'm back here today to recap Raw from last night, the final build-up before Extreme Rules coming up this Sunday. And... Raw got started with a bang last night, uh, continuing the problems between Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley. Wasn't your typical, oh, let's start with a, a promo just to set up for a match. The You kind of got that a little bit later in the night. But got kicked off with seeing Roman walking backstage, heading toward the ring, only to be confronted by Lashley and Lashley daring him to call him out. The, the one problem with that, I, I, I like where uh, they uh, fueled the hatred that has built up between these two guys in the, in the last several weeks, but the spot in the arena was wrong where they set it up. Because where they set it up uh, with uh, the camera uh, was... the having it facing the wall with Lashley and the Reigns <laughs> staring each other down. And on the wall was a Boston Celtics logo, being as they were in the TD Bank Garden up in Boston. So the crowd started a loud, let's go Celtics chant, and weren't paying attention at all to the back and forth between Reigns and Lashley there with Lashley daring Roman Reigns to calling him out before he let him walk to the ring. Ultimately, Roman Reigns wasn't going to stand for Lashley's taunting like that, obliged and called him out. Now, before they could get anything going, Kurt Angle tried to uh, stop this and beg them to save for Sunday, but as you'd expect with these two humongous egos, they um, broke down here and it broke into a pretty big brawl, especially when you consider they had the entire roster come out to try and separate them. Only for many times for Lashley and Reigns to each break apart and get in their own shots and you just felt pure hatred between these two guys. It, it's just evolved from two guys who both want to be the man and both want to be the number one contender for the Universal Championship to now to a point where they just want to beat the living hell out of each other. They can't stand being on the same show as the other. And I like the fact that this match at Extreme Rules does not have any kind of wacky Extreme Rules type stipulations. Just let these guys fight. Let them go at it. If you want to make it no countouts, fine. Just to make sure that there's a winner inside the ring. But uh, I like how this has evolved up until this point. I mean, you saw several times where uh, Bobby Lashley was able to break away and have the upper hand on Reigns. Only until the point where it looked like Lashley was being dragged away from the ring and Roman Reigns did an Undertaker-like dive over the top rope, taking out Lashley and most of the Raw roster before 
running down the ramp again to get at Bobby Lashley. But if this is a sign for Sunday, we're, we're set for just a flat-out fight between these two. Because as I said, it's it's gone from who wants to be the man to egos to just pure hatred between uh, two of the top guys on Monday Night Raw. So Sunday, it will be enough of the talk and time for these two guys to square up. Now, turning our attention to the women's division from last night, there were a couple things that caught my eye. Number one was the continued of the friendship counseling between Sasha Banks and Bailey. And what I didn't like about this segment is the fact that they got rid of Dr. Shelby. He was so hysterical, what, five years ago when they did this with Team Hell No, and I thought he was going to continue with it with um, Sasha and Bailey and um, be a relevant part of this storyline. Now you just bring in any old uh, therapist here. That's just (coughs) a change that... I really didn't like, especially after reintroducing Dr. Shelby and the great pop that it got for the crowd last week. Now, in an extreme rules that has been anything other than extreme so far, because prior to last night, there was only one match signed with any extreme implications uh, with the Alexa Bliss Nia Jax match. We saw a little bit of a a, a change in that last night when uh, following a tag team victory by Nia Jax and Natalia over Bliss and uh, Mickey James, you saw the aggressive uh, side of uh, Alexa Bliss, the underhand side in her um just snap when after uh, Nia Jax uh, pulled off the victory over her uh, friend Mickey James she came back in into the ring with a, a, cont- a kendo stick um, and attacked both uh, Jax and uh, Natalia uh, including several times of hitting Nia Jax in the back before Nia Jax was eventually able to to uh, take the weapon and snap it in half over her knee, continuing the the build of how much of a weasel Alexa Bliss can be and how sneaky and underhanded she is in all this. No, just trying to set up the fact that, no, Nia's going to continue to get so close and they make you wait for the payoff of when Alexa eventually gets hers at Extreme Rules this Sunday. They're not going to have her receive any shots from weapons before then. They want they want you to make want to make you wait for them. Want to um, get uh, Nia as just pissed off as humanly possible before this match, so she can unleash all of her rage on Alexa Bliss. But I'll, I'll continue to say this: we talk about <coughs> with this match how. Ronda Rousey's going to be ringside. I, I just don't like how they continue to play that up, continue to acknowledge Ronda instead of keeping her um, 
out of the limelight, out of the spotlight in, until after the 30-day suspension is up. By having her ringside, that kind of brings a waste to the entire 30-day uh, suspension. Plus, it lets you know that at some point, if this match goes in the crowd, she may get involved and ultimately may piss off two people. And not just uh, attacking Alexa Bliss to get her revenge, but you could also piss off Nia Jax if she accidentally costs Nia this matchup. And then she'll have more of a problem on her hands. I would have rather they done the whole not even acknowledge uh, Ronda idea. And then after that date, uh, which is next Wednesday, I believe it is, July 18th, then you have her come back on the following Raw and she begin her pursuit of avenging what Alexa Bliss did to her at Money in the Bank. The third thing I, I want to bring up from the women last night is the fact that they did something that they've usually done with the, the men, and that's have a repeat match of a, something that truly has uh, no significance in the storyline that's not going to build to uh, anything uh, more than just enhancement matches. And that's the second week in a row of having Liv Morgan go up against Ember Moon. And uh, uh, the Moon once again pulling off the victory. You know, continuing uh, a build of momentum for her p- picking up uh, uh, victories. But they've cut off the momentum recently of Morgan and Logan that the Riot Squad had built upon coming to Raw with their feud against Bailey and Sasha. A lot of it... Uh, being on the fact that Ruby Riot is hurt right now and that Morgan and Logan will uh, really need her uh, when she's back to be more than just an enhancement tag team on the brand, as you've seen Absolution turn into somewhat over on SmackDown. But I, I just... I don't like when they have these repeat matches that have no consequence and that really are not building to any sort of rivalry, any sort of storyline here. We've seen that many times in recent months with uh, the men when it was Bobby Roode versus Elias, uh, Baron Corbin versus No Way Jose, th- things like those. That, that's what I'm talking about when there's waste of time on uh, uh the show. I I enjoy the women wrestling as much as anyone, but it, it unless this is building up to an eventually an eventual rivalry between uh, Ruby Riot and Ember Moon when Riot comes back, you know, avenging the losses of her team, it, it just it doesn't make as much sense. And you know, now that they're kind of just uh pressing uh, when it comes to keeping the Riot Squad relevant until uh, Ruby is ready to return from her injury. Thank God Extreme Rules is this Sunday because if you've listened to this stuff, podcast regularly, regularly listen to my recaps from Monday Night Raw, you would know that the one rivalry that I cannot stand is the Raw Tag Team Championship match between the, the leader of worlds, Matt Hardy, and Bray Wyatt going up against the B team, uh, Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. All right. People have gotten to have their fun with Axel 
and Dallas with their com- <coughs> comedy gimmick and how they overreact to every victory uh, since um, Miz left for SmackDown, calling themselves the B team, talking about how they're undefeated as a team and singles wrestlers since then. But they, I still don't find them believable. I, I still don't find them. I, I still view them as Miz's old lackeys and the guys that were essentially enhancement put over talents for the last four or five years. And the, the only relevant runs that each one of them seemingly had was their uh, original debuts when Axel was Intercontinental Champion, Bo Dallas was undefeated up until he got squashed by Ryback back in 2000. 14, I think that was, maybe even later than that, probably about 2015, something along those lines. But it just feels like a complete waste of time for uh, Wyatt and Hardy facing this, uh, what should be less than relevant team. They should be going up against teams like the Revival, teams like the Authors of Pain, and last night, you once again had the B team uh, mocking uh, Hardy and Wyatt prior to Dallas going up against Matt Hardy. And it's been the same thing the last three weeks. One of the, the members of this team has been pulling off an upset victory over Matt Hardy in singles action. And, you know, they try to play it off like, oh, it's the, the biggest buildup ever. And uh, how they're clearly uh, getting in Hardy and Wyatt's heads, although I don't know how it's possible to get in those two guys' heads. But to me, it it just feels like a whole bunch of nothing. Because does anybody out there seriously believe that Axel and Dallas are going to win the Tag Team Championship this Sunday? I don't. You don't. Nobody out there thinks that this is going to happen. And hopefully... Once they get done with this, then you can move Hardy and Wyatt on to more serious rivalries, whether it be against ALP, whether it be against the Revival. Hell, if you want to have them face Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre, that, that's another team you can have them go up against. But the B team, I'm just not buying it. I'm never going to buy it, even if for some stupid reason they decide to have this team win the tag team titles on Sunday and to me that would be a huge mistake that would be uh, essentially uh, pushing the tag titles closer to irrelevancy and lack of importance by having a uh, comedy act be your tag team champions now we've seen the problems escalate over the uh, last several weeks between uh, Baron Corbin and Finn Balor, especially with Baron Corbin abusing his power as uh, Stephanie McMahon's personally instituted constable of Monday Night Raw. Last night, we saw a a match made between uh, Corbin and Balor for Sunday at Extreme Rules. I guess probably the payoff for this rivalry Continued the tension build last night when uh, Corbin teamed with Elias to go up against Finn Balor and uh, Bobby Roode. And I was somewhat entertained by uh, the pre-match uh, 
antics between Corbin and Elias. Uh, the opening promo there where Elias played the guitar and Corbin sang his own version of the Itsy Bitsy Spider, only you know, talking about Balor during the uh, whole time. And showing that he's uh, continuing to try and get under Finn Balor's skin and mock uh, his uh, size advantage over Finn Balor. Uh, prior to this match, you see just see the tension continuing to escalate between these two. Especially, remember we talked about earlier the the brawl between Lashley and uh, Reigns to start the show, and the entire roster came out to break it up. Well, there was one point where Roman Reigns was being held outside the ring by uh, several superstars. Bobby Lashley was pinned up against a corner by several guys. And Finn Balor just comes running into the ring and attacks Baron Corbin uh, with a couple stiff shots prior to going outside to helping uh, uh, contain uh, Roman Reigns to continue to play off uh, their uh, dislike for each other that's uh, built been built up ever since um, Money in the Bank uh, added on top of that when it originally seemed there was going to be a multi-man match to decide who would face um, Brock Lesnar next for the Universal Championship and uh, just continued to spill over each and every single week most of the upper hand being felt by Baron Corbin here, especially with the cheap shot he laid on Finn Balor last week. And now the, the tag match between the two sides last night was okay. Probably went a little bit too long here. The the one guy who in this match suffered the the most was probably Bobby Roode, who ha- has no direction seemingly in the storyline. Was kind of weirdly just thrown into this match after not appearing last week on Raw. And got pinned uh, by uh, Baron Corbin after he, he hit the end of days on Bobby Roode. It's just, what are the plans with uh, Roode here? Ever since he uh, came to uh, Monday Night Raw via the Superstar Shakeup, I feel like I've talked about this every week, how he has had uh, no momentum, no push, no seeming uh, of direction after main eventing his first Raw on uh shake-up night, he's essentially done nothing but face Elias or get uh, uh, dismantled in the Money in the Bank ladder matches. Had no real purpose, no feud. He's been one of those guys that's been hurt, not helped um, more by uh, the uh, superstar shake-up. So I just don't know what you're doing with him uh, right now, seemingly. Maybe maybe a guy you get him into a feud with next is Mojo Raleigh, who might have finally put his uh, uh, somewhat feud with No Way Jose in the past after beating him for the second time in three weeks last night. Hopefully that's not a match uh, they uh, do again because No Way Jose, as much as I like him, is only really there for a comedy act. If you if you want to continue this serious tone with Mojo, you have him go up against opponents that are... Uh, to be taken seriously like a Rude, who's a former champion. That can help his build there. But as I said, that match last night, the tag match, while it did a lot to continue to build the momentum of 
this uh, mid-card feud between Balor and Corbin leading to their match on Sunday, I felt did nothing but hurt Bobby Roode as we've seen in the, the last two months he's spent on Monday Night Raw. Another feud that seems to be coming to head uh, this Sunday is the ongoing issues between Kevin Owens and Mr. Monster in the Bank, Braun Strowman. I've detailed here on this podcast the last several weeks how much I've been enjoying this feud, enjoying the uh, comedy act, the the certain amount of tension that's been built here, just how each and every single week Kevin Owens seems to get uh, the uh, wrong end of the stick because he put, he pokes the bear and then he uh, puts his foot in his mouth in the end by ultimately getting his ass kicked or uh, getting embarrassed in some kind of way. Well, the be it Money in the Bank, when he tried to get everybody the team against Braun and ultimately got thrown off the ladder, or the following week when they teamed together, beat Corbin and Balor by countout, and then went out to the parking lot to find that Braun Strowman flipped his car over and did uh, serious damage to it. And then last week when he tried to act all tough before his main event match, against Braun Strowman only to intentionally get himself counted out, get locked in a port john when he tried to hide there from Braun, and then get thrown off the stage and covered by the blue liquid that uh, is put inside those things. Well, last night, he tries to pull this whole, oh, I got a doctor's note, I can't compete tonight after what happened to me last week, but I'm still showing up for work, so I'm going to stay in the safest place possible, your office, uh, when talking to uh, Kurt Angle, and just spent the entire night annoying Kurt, whether it be when superstars came in to talk to Kurt Angle, and he tried to claim there's a certain bias toward uh, certain guys like himself um, that has existed since he came to Raw a couple months ago, or when he was spraying air freshener when he first came into the room, or ordering food and eating it in front of Kurt Angle. But in the end, Kevin Owens saw his ultimate reality check when later in the night, Kurt invited Braun Strowman into his office to inform the two of them that they would be facing off in a steel cage this Sunday at Extreme Rules. Talking about finally adding an extreme element to this pay-per-view because as I've said earlier, the only extreme match you had so far for the pay-per-view was the match between Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss, which is uh, sort of fallen along the same uh, uh, storylines where you have a smaller opponent um, in uh, Kevin Owens continuing to poke the bear that is Braun Strowman. Only difference here is Nia hasn't been able to get to Alexa yet, hasn't been able to get the ultimate revenge, the ultimate payoff. Braun Strowman every week has found a new and interesting way in attempting to destroy Kevin Owens and attempting to embarrass and punish him, which, face it, he kind of deserves. I mean, as I said, he keeps putting his foot in his mouth. And now, after annoying Kurt Angle last night by spending the entire night in his office, he gets the ultimate punishment by being locked in a steel cage against Braun Strowman. And you can kind of see where this is going because 
Braun, in the end, he's got the money in the bank briefcase. He's going to cash it in at some point and be champion. This is kind of just a mini-storyline here with uh, no long-term ramifications for his uh, future title run. This is just a way to uh, keep him in an important spot, keep Kevin Owens in a spot that continues to make him out to be an ass. But what this rivalry also does is each week, as the problems mount between him and Braun Strowman, as he continues to feel he's treated unfairly, it also builds a certain animosity between him and Kurt Angle because he keeps complaining, saying something's got to be done about Braun Strowman, and, and his complaints make Kurt uh, uh, want to continue putting him in matches against Braun, his running away, trying to hide from Braun, continue to make him want to just punish uh Kevin Owens, and eventually you could see this uh, boiling down to a feud between the two of them. I mean, hell, we saw it happen last year on SmackDown when he continued to poke the bear with Shane McMahon, and eventually Shane lost it, and uh, they uh, settled their uh, feud somewhat in a steel cage, though things continued into the winter when Shane... uh, uh, ended up ultimately firing Kevin before Kevin um, moved over to Monday Night Raw thanks to uh, Stephanie hiring him. With uh, the uh, problems that exist between these two recently, eventually at some point when Stephanie uh, comes back, I could definitely see her putting Kurt in a match against Kevin Owens if she thinks he's been treated unfairly. Or if Kevin starts getting annoyed with Kurt and turning this into a physical altercation, Kurt's not just going to stand for that. He's, uh, what, 11-time world champion for a reason. And you could definitely see it coming to a head to a point where these two face off in the ring rather than just have wars of words backstage. Raw concluded last night with a fantastic main event between Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre. A match that was set up earlier in the night um, when Seth Rollins came out to talk about his upcoming Intercontinental Championship rematch against Ziggler at Extreme Rules. Only this time they're going to square off in a 30-minute Iron Man match. And, you know, Dolphin and Drew came out to confront him and uh, interact, counteract uh, some of the things he was uh, saying, previewing uh, this match. And it seemed like the the promo was going pretty good, uh, you know, somewhat putting each other over um, and, uh, uh, the, you know, Continuing the example fly, Ziggler as the show off and, and Rollins how he's ready for any challenge and even uh, showing Dolph a seemingly amount of respect here. I, I thought the back and forth between the two of them was pretty good, but the it kind of fell apart a little bit, kind of uh, lost its luster when uh, Seth turned his attention to Drew and started making jokes on him based on his hair. Heritage and uh, um, trying to, uh, I guess, be funny and crack jokes uh, about it. You know, it it did feel like kind of a uh, 
wasted that half of it. I get he was trying to get under McIntyre's skin and set up a uh, a match between the the two of them later in the night. Um, that would main event the show, but in you know, reality, you could have only just brought up his uh, his failures in his first time in WWE. Um, compared to how he's changed to now after a three-year absence, rather than going to the heritage jokes. I mean, Seth Rollins can crack jokes. He can be a, a funny guy, but it, it just it felt kind of baseless, if you ask me. It kind of felt like it had no point served there. Now, the, the one thing I did like about this leading into it was that Kurt Angle made the stipulation where if Rollins was able to beat McIntyre in the main event... The McIntyre would be barred from ringside for uh, Sunday's match between uh, Ziggler and Rollins, the 30-minute Ironman match. That that's something I've actually been asking for for weeks. I I want to see those two square off in a match like this that has a chance to be a classic, has a chance to be a match of the year caliber match without any kind of interference, any kind of uh, cheap ending with the uh, droop potentially costing Rollins the match. I know you could say that, oh, that could set up, you know, Seth looking for revenge on McIntyre, but I would rather, you know, the great match between the two of uh, them, meaning Ziggler and Rollins, and then maybe after the match, you can have a post-match beatdown by uh, McIntyre that sets up a feud for a later date, rather than him uh, getting involved and interfering as he did a couple weeks ago in Seth's first rematch for the champion. And, you know, the match it was as you would expect it. The, the, McIntyre used a lot of his uh, size to his advantage and throughout the first several minutes of the match overmatched uh, Rollins uh, with his just brute raw strength until Seth was able to quicken the pace and get uh, the speed game uh, going here was able to <coughs> even avoid some of uh, Drew's uh, best moves including uh, trying to uh, uh, Finish him with a the Irish curse, I believe it is um, called that. You know we've typically seen from Sheamus in the past, trying to do that move off the uh, top rope. Seth was able to avoid that and turn it into a, a buckle bomb, but it, it was just too much for Seth uh, last night with some of the things that Drew McIntyre threw at him whether it be uh, when he was able to avoid the the ripcord knee shot, avoid uh, the uh, curb stomp even, uh, I don't know how Drew McIntyre doesn't get concussions with that vicious headbutt that he uh, did uh, to Rollins but that seemed to have uh, a big uh, effect on Rollins throughout the rest of the match but it was in the end, the distraction from Ziggler um, when, you now it was kind of a cool spot there. Ziggler tried to get in the ring uh, when uh, Seth was fighting off McIntyre, er, and Seth sees that and just runs up and does a quick curb stomp to uh, Dolph, knocking him out of the ring, but it, it left him as a lame duck to get hit by the Claiborne, the Claymores, excuse me, and to allow Drew to pick up the victory. And now he'll be... Uh, ringside for the match on, on Sunday, but 
further <coughs> more the point here. I love how they're uh, continuing the rise and the build of uh, um, McIntyre to make him uh, a top star on the, the brand. Eventually, you know that him and Dolph Ziggler are going to uh, break up and go their uh, separate ways, but just the complete 360 evolution we've seen from McIntyre from his days as the chosen one, um, being a very young, arrogant guy, to then when he was in that group 3MB with Heath Slater and Jinder Mahal, to you know, leaving WWE and becoming a serious top star on the indies in Impact Wrestling and coming back and um, showing his evolution as a talent, not just... Um, as far as how bigger and strong he's got, but how more skillful he is as an in-ring talent would be in his short time in NXT or the time since he's come to Monday Night Raw. You can really feel like this guy is now reaching his true potential, and that's to be a main event player on um, Monday Night Raw, be a top star, be a top heel in WWE. And it's, it's only a, a matter of time before... We see him in his own single rivalries of his own rather than just uh, protecting Dolph Ziggler as his heavy uh, when he has a problem to be solved. For this Tuesday, July 10th, 2018, I'm M3 and that was my opinion. Be sure to check back tomorrow as I recap SmackDown Live. Remember, follow me on Twitter at M3 Rosansky and be back throughout the week as I post more podcasts on either professional wrestling or pro sports. Everybody have a great night and I'll talk to you again very soon. Peace.